Good morning. Good to see each one of you here today. Thank you, choir, for that great song. Um, Ridge is in Oregon today, part of a family wedding, so I'm filling in with uh, for him. Also, I want to just uh, make you aware, um, you know, you know about the hurricanes and everything, but you may not know about TBM. They're in North Carolina, and they're heading to Florida. Uh, Jim McDougal has been there feeding people for the last week or so. From what I understand, he's going to be home for a couple of days, and then he's going back. Monica McDougal is on her way to Florida as uh, the head chaplain down there uh, over, over what's going to go on there. So remember, remember uh, TBM in your prayers. Um, Tom Henderson told me yesterday the generator's on the way to Florida. I mean, a TBM is doing is 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 there. I mean, they're they're hands and feet on the ground when people need someone, and so I just ask you to pray for them um, as you as you go about your daily quiet time in the next week or so. Uh, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. It's a, it's an honor and a privilege to be up here every time I am, and and I don't take it lightly. Um, and, uh, I mean, this is, uh, this is God's time and this is, and I, and I ask him to do the best that he can do with what he has to, what he has to do it with. Amen. So, uh, I want to talk to you about confidence and, um, I want to read out of second Timothy one twelve, <clears throat> and, uh, Paul says, uh, I know, who, I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. You know, Paul was pretty, he was pretty emphatic about that, and he was pretty excited about that. I, wanna, I just want to read to you what the, what the Amplified Bible says on that, because I really like. It says, still I am not ashamed, for I know, perceive, have knowledge of, and am acquainted with him whom I have believed, adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on. I am positively persuaded that he is able to guard and keep that which has been entrusted to me and which I have committed to him until that day. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, for... Uh, each one that's here, Father, it's no accident that each one that's here today is here. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity we have to sing praises to you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to give to you. Thank you for the opportunity we have to hear from your word. And God, may you speak today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move freely among us. I pray that you would bind Satan from this place and that you, that you would speak to each person that's here exactly where they are, exactly what they need. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Um, you know, several years ago, uh, I was in Suriname where the Shires used to serve, and uh, I was walking alongside the river with uh, Caleb, uh, Ethan, and, and Abigail, and y'all saw them here a while back when they were here. And y'all don't... I, I remember Caleb when he was born, and Abigail when she was born, Ethan, he was, he was probably, I don't know, maybe three or so when I met him. But anyway, we're talking about little bitty kids. Anyway, we're walking along the river, and Ethan, he's the oldest one, and, and, and his older, uh, more knowledgeable 
uh, vocabulary and everything, he's telling me all the different kinds of fishes that we walked along. And he would say, you know, that one right there is a red fin, blah, blah, blah. And this one right here, this one right here is, is this. And, and it, it was funny because, you know, he, he knew everything, as all little kids do. And uh, uh, as we saw a small school of fish, he said, uh, now, those are piranhas. Well, yeah, they're piranhas in the river where we go and serve. Yes, they're there. Uh, and we take a bath in the river, but those piranhas don't bite you. They're, they're, they're friendly. Um, they've been saved, okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, when he said those are piranhas, Abigail was really quick to say, no, Ethan, those are not piranhas. Those are fishies. Those are not piranhas. Those are fishies. Well, was she right? Partially. Partially. But she was emphatic, and she said it with confidence. Uh, but that's where the problem begins because many times we hear half-truths and they are imparted to us with total confidence. We are deceived each day by many people in many different ways. And I wanted to stop right here, pull over, as Ridge said, and, and I want to share something with you. You know, we just came back from a really, really incredible vacation uh, where we saw God's creation over and over and over and it's just, it's just, it's, it's just like God. His creation is awesome. Nothing is like that. But um, there was a couple of things that really stood out to me as, as we went and as we saw things every day. And, you know, you'd be driving alongside the road and there would be a little pullover and you'd pull over and there'd be a little sign sort of like this pulpit here and it would tell you about what you're looking at. And, and usually it would say something like, okay, it took... 180 million years to do this, blah, 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 and one thing that really it made me laugh, uh, I was listening to a recording, and the guy said, now this happened between 174 million and 180 million years ago, and I thought, okay, you guys are scientists, you're supposed to know what's going on, but you're giving yourself a 16 million year window? I mean, that's a pretty big window, okay? So you really don't know, you're just guessing basically what it boils down to. But as I read, it took all this to recreate that and everything. I mean, it, it, in a way, it just flew all over me. And I thought about what it says in Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. My Bible does not say, in the beginning, it took God 180 million years to create this mountain. Okay? It does not say that. But it goes on to say, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. Now listen to what I'm saying. These guys say it took this many years. The Bible says God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay? Just like that. God said, and it happened. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness, and God... God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, again, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate the water from the uh, water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water from the uh, vault above it. And so it was, and God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Again, God said, and it happened. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered in one place and let dry ground appear. Again, God said, it doesn't say anything about taking millions and millions of years. 
Now, God called it dry ground, and, and he gathered the waters, and he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the land produce vegetation. It didn't just happen. I don't care what the sign said. Every time I read it, I laughed. It didn't just happen. God said, let the land produce vegetation and seed-bearing plants and trees on the land to bear, bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants uh, bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning of the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky and give light to the earth. And it was so. He said it, and it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning of the fourth day. And God said, let the water team with living creatures. They didn't just come out of the water from, from nothing and become a creature. God said, let there be living creatures. Let the Birds fly above the earth, across the vault of the sky, excuse me. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing which made the water team and that moves about in it according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase the in numbers and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures they did not come from nothing, according to their kind. The livestock, the creatures that move around the ground, the wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was good. God made the wild animals, all the creatures, according to their kind, and God saw that it was good. You know what? I didn't read a single thing in there that said a million of years. Now, could God have used volcanoes, water, wind, all these different things that they said on the sign? Most definitely. God can use anything. Amen? Y'all awake out there this morning? Amen? Amen? God can use anything according to what he wants to do. Okay? Now, another thing that, that we saw and we read a bunch of times, it said there was a great sea here. It's like, duh, the whole earth was flooded. You know, I felt like getting a little white out and fixing that sign so it'd be right but but uh in in genesis 6 this is what it says the lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of human heart were only evil all the time the lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created with all them, the animals, the birds, the creatures that move above the ground, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And then it goes in and it says, for 40 days and, and uh, the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens was covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains. So the mountains were there already, okay? So they covered the high mountains, 
to the depth of more than 15 cubics. Every living thing that moved on land perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm of the earth, and all of mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People and animals and creatures that moved along the ground, the birds wiped out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark and the floodwaters on the earth for 150 days. Was there water on the earth? Yes, because he is God. He is God, and he can do whatever he wants. And he doesn't need a million years to create that. We have a big God that can go, bam, I want it to be like that, and that's the way it is. And that's what Genesis says. Now, I don't know how long the days were exactly, but I don't believe it when they say it took, it took between 180 and 174 million years. Like, no, you guys are way off base. Well, let's get back to what I'm talking about here. I just, uh, I had to share that with you because, you know, I, I love seeing God's creation. I love everything I saw. Okay, it was fantastic. Nothing compares. Every time you go around the corner, it's like, wow, we got a big God. But we are deceived each day. You know what? Students, <clears throat> students go to school in not all places, but the teacher authority goes and he stands before them and tells them with confidence that they were not formed by the hand of God, but that they are a part of a scientific process called evolution. They're not divine, they're, they're not of divine wisdom, but are a product of chance. For some time now, children have been taught this lie with confidence, and what's the result? People believe that they're nothing more than an animal. They believe that they're nothing more than something that crawled out of the ocean. They believe that they believe that there's no creation, and there's no creator who hung the sun, the moon, and the stars that we just read about in the Bible. It just happened. But he did this all for his children. He did it all for us. They do not believe there is a divine purpose or point to their life. There is no reason to live with any form of moral standard or live uh, with a moral conduct because if there is no creation, then there is no creator. And if there is no creator, then there is no God. And one thing that just flew all over me is whenever they were talking about time and they didn't use A.D. or B.C., they used M.E. or something like that. It's like trying to take God out of everything. That's not the way it is. And to all this, to all the stuff that I read, this is what I say, hogwash. Hogwash. Did anybody else believe that? If you believe it's hogwash, say amen. Hogwash, that's right. It's like that's not what God said. That's not what his word says. And I believe what his word says. How many churches, to take it even further, how many churches in America have been conned into believing there's no consequence for sin? There's no need for repentance. There's no judgment to come because in the end we're all going to go to heaven anyway. I read a Barna poll that talked about 50% of, of Christians do not believe that Satan exists. 50% of, of, of Christians, excuse me, do not believe that there's any such thing as sin. 50%. Now, you got to remember, when they put Christians together, they put a whole bunch of people in this category. 
But just the same, it's like it just it blows me away. There is no Satan, and there is no sin. That's not what my Bible says. Why do they believe this? Because some preachers stood in the pulpit and told them with confidence that this is the way it was. They are living a life far short, far short of what God said they could live. They are suffering and they are falling short because they have been deceived with confidence. Now when it comes to confidence, we need to live the life that Paul lived and talked about when he said, I know who I believe. I know what I believe. I believe in Jesus Christ and I believe that he is able. That's what it says in that verse. It's what he's saying. Notice what Paul didn't say. He didn't say, I hope that this is the way it is. He didn't say, I think this is the way it is. He said, I believe it. He said, I know. He knew that he knew that he knew that he trusted Christ to take care of him and his soul when he died. He also trusted God to give him everything he needed to enable him to live for Christ while he was here. He believed that without a doubt. And that's the kind of confidence, that's the kind of unshakable confidence that we need. That's the kind of confidence that cannot be conned into believing some cheap, uh, 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 something cheap like evolution. The kind of confidence that knows you are, are divinely inspired creation of God himself. The kind of confidence that, make, that wakes up every day and makes this kind of statement. If God is for me, then who can be against me? Amen? The kind of confidence that believes that you have been set free. You're a joint heir with Jesus, an adopted son of the Most High God. You live with the authority of his name and the power of his word and are able to do all things through Christ. Come on, y'all have confidence in Christ. He gave us everything. He gave us a reason. And we read about it. And we need to have that kind of confidence. So that when, so when we read stuff like this, it's like, no, that ain't right. And I said something to a couple of people that are standing there. Okay, so how is it possible for us to live this life of confidence? Well, in spite of what you know or who you know, the most difficult days in our lives will attempt to shake our confidence. There are two ways to overcome those kind of difficult days. The first thing you need to do is to remind yourself what confidence really is. The word confidence comes from a couple of Latin words, and I'm probably going to butcher one of them, so I'm just telling you in advance. But it, the confidence comes from, from the word com, C-O-M, which means with, and fideria, F-I-D-E-R-E, which means trust or faith. So you, with trust or faith. You have that confidence with trust or faith. But Paul also says he knows. Now, I looked up knows in the dictionary, and it means to perceive or understand as fact or truth. So what Paul is really saying in here, he says, because we understand it to be fact, we can have full trust or faith in Christ. Because we understand it to be fact, and that's the way we should be, because it is fact, and we understand it to be fact, we know that we know that we know. 
that we can have full trust, full trust and full faith in Jesus Christ. Thank you very much. Can I get another amen? amen? Thank you very much. Now, it's not what you have faith in, but who you have faith in that determines whether you're unshakable in your confidence or not. It's not what you have faith in, but who you have faith in that determines whether you're unshakable in your confidence. That's big right there, okay? If your faith is in you and it's in the thinkers of the world, then guess what? Sooner or later, you're going to be shaken and probably even shattered. But if your confidence is in the Almighty God, the creator of the heavens and earth, then your confidence will be unshakable. Unshakable. So we must ask ourselves, what is our faith based on? What is our faith based on? The second thing you need to do in order to have unshakable confidence is to take a quiz, a pop quiz. And I know somebody's going, oh, wow, he's going to give us a test now. But that's okay. It's an open book test, so y'all can all pass, all right? Don't get, wor don't get worried about it. So every so often we have these things come up in our life. And they are a lot of times all or nothing decision that has to be made. But if you'll notice, if it's easy, if there's not much at stake, then it's not a big deal. Okay? We can make that. But if the risk is great, if we begin to doubt our faith, and we start to, then we start to doubt our faith, and we start to fall back on uncertain things. Okay? And we try to make sense of what was going on. That's where the big deal is. That's where the mistake is. Don't try to make sense whenever God tells you something. Okay? It don't have to make sense to you. And a lot of times it doesn't. But we try to make sense of it. What we should do is put our confidence in Christ, who never fails. But we start to put our confidence in shakable things that often fail. So before you make this big all-in-all -all decision, you should take the pop quiz and ask yourself two questions. First question, very easy. Look back at all that God's done. Look back at what he's done in your life and ask this question. Has God brought me this far just to see me fail? Has God brought me all the way through this just to see me fail? When you come to a point in your life and you feel like everything is on the line, then look back at every moment God has been there in the past, every time he made a way, every obstacle he has moved for you, look at all the barriers he has destroyed, and then make a list of all the things. Make a list of all the things he has done. Then ask yourself, did God do all this just to see me fail? Did God do all this to see me stop right here, right now? You know what? I've seen numerous miracles in the lives of so many people. And some of the people that I've seen this happen in are right here in this body today. So you know what I'm talking about. God had restored what has been taken away. He is healed. What was declared sick, he has fixed what was broken. He has made a way when there seemed to be no way. 
I have watched as he poured, as he opened up the, the, the gates of heaven, the windows of heaven, and he poured out his blessing. I have seen him restore joy where there was sadness. So you cannot look me in the eye. You cannot look me in the eye. And you cannot tell me that God brought you through all that just to watch you fail. That's not the kind of God we have. Now don't, stop right here. Don't hear what I'm not saying. You know, you may not get everything that you want from God and that you pray about. Paul said, would you remove this thorn, God? Would you please remove this thorn, God? And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. So there may be something, there may be a thorn in your life. There is in my life. But God's not going to take it out because my grace is sufficient. I want you to rely on me. But listen to me. The God who began a work in you is faithful to complete it. Amen? He will bring you through the storm. He will bring you through the trials. He will finish what he started in your life for his honor and his glory. For his honor and glory. It may not be the way that you think it should be. It may not look like you think it should look. But he's God. And he knows what's the best for you, even, even though you think you know everything, okay? God knows more. The second question you need to ask is, what will the quality of my life be if I do nothing? What will the quality of my life be if I do nothing? See, many times people come to this big question and they just shut down. And they say something like, uh, I'm just going to stop right here. I'm not going to go any further. I'm not going to go to the left. I'm not going to go to the right because either way, it's just too risky. Because we can't see the end. It's like we don't want to do it. Let's look at Moses. Okay? Here he is in the desert, and he sees this burning bush. Okay? He had a decision to make. He could go back to Pharaoh's palace. He could risk humiliation, maybe even death. Or he could stay in the wilderness, and he could chase sheep around for the rest of his life. Now, if he had chosen to stay in the wilderness, he would have had a lot less stress in his life. Amen? A lot less stress than, than dealing with all the Israelite knuckleheads. Okay. He would have had job security, a roof over his head, plenty of food to eat. But if he had stayed in the wilderness, he would have never seen the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord revealed as he did when he obeyed God's direction and went back to Egypt. He would never have seen the Red Sea part. He would never have seen the cloud by day and the fire by night. He would never have seen the voice of God on the mountains. He would never have heard, excuse me. He would, never, he would have missed out on so many miracles if he had been unwilling to do what God asked him to do with confidence. Yeah, now he was scared. Yeah, we all are at some point, okay? But he still went forward and he still did it. There may, be day, there may be somebody here today, there may be more than one, but maybe people here today that, you know what? I suffer from lack of confidence because I've been abandoned in some way, shape, or form. 
And maybe it was a moment when in your life when everything was shattered because, somebody, because this happened from someone you love. Maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, maybe a divorce, maybe a good friend just walked off. So I want to share a story with you about some kids that lived in this orphanage. And this orphanage is called Faith House. Faith House was a home for kids all the way from little up to teenagers. And these children at the home had their confidence shaken by abandonment. The parents of these children dropped them off never to return. And many of the kids would make up stories to tell each other about how their parents were off on a secret mission or off making a movie and how they were going to come back someday and they were going to take them away to a big mansion and they were going to live happily ever after. They made up that imaginary thing because they couldn't deal with what was in front of them. Each week, kids were brought and they were dropped off and every kid thought that nothing good would ever happen to them again. The place was surrounded by a fence. And the kids would go to the fence on Saturday, that was visitation day, and they would look to see their parents or their loved ones, but their parents never came. So after a while, the kids quit going to the fence. They felt like they had truly lost everything. One morning, as one of the workers at the orphanage approached, he could hear the cry of a young boy. And he knew what he was going to see when he rounded the corner. Sure enough, two young boys, age four and six, were tied together, and they were tied to the fence. The older boy had a note pinned to his shirt, and it said, These are good boys. I just can't feed them anymore. Please take care of them. Now, the four-year-old, he was crying for his mom. But the six-year-old, he was, he was trying to be brave. And as the man walked up, he told him who he was, you know, and he worked there and everything. And then the older boy asked what his name was. And then he said, Mr. Will you hold me? You see, he was just reaching out for anything because he thought everything was gone. He thought everything was gone. But I want you to hear me now, and I want you to hear me good. Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ have never been, nor will ever be abandoned. Amen? Jesus promised, I will never leave you or forsake you. Never leave you or forsake you. He has promised to be right there beside you, to be a friend that's closer than a brother, God says he knows your name. He even knows every hair on your head. God says, put your faith in me. Put your hope in me. Put your trust in me. You can put your unshakable confidence in me. That's God. And he's completely different than any, anything that you've ever experienced in your entire life. I want each of you here to understand that you will never know what you've missed out, what you've missed out on if you do not obey God and you live without confidence. If you do not obey God, but if you obey God and live with confidence, then it'll be completely different. But I'm asking you to do it right here, right now. Not yesterday. Yesterday's gone. 
Not tomorrow, because we're not promised tomorrow. But today. Right here, right now. God doesn't want your excuses. He wants your obedience. Oh, we're real big on excuses, but everybody's got a nose and everybody's got an excuse. But he wants your obedience. That's all he wants from us. When an opportunity presents itself, then that's the time to move. You may never have that chance again. Never. I can promise you this. Our God is a faithful God, and he is unshakable. I can also promise you this. If you will put your confidence in Christ, listen to what I'm saying. If you will put your confidence in Christ, you will never be disappointed. You will never be disappointed. While the rest of the world is shaking and crumbling around, you be sure of one thing. Christ is a solid rock. Up until almost 50, when God got a hold of me, everything, yeah, was shaky. Everything was crumbling. And I've learned that there's nothing. There is nothing like God's love. I've learned there's nothing like God's forgiveness, God's mercy, and God's grace. Period. It's just like some of the stuff we looked at, some of the stuff that we saw. It is fantastic, and there is nothing like it. Not in the whole world. That's what God did. And that's what he can do in your life. Let's pray. Father, this morning we want to give you thanks. We want to give you thanks for loving us with an unconditional, everlasting love that, that we do not understand. And God, oftentimes we want to put you in a box and we want to say, we want to say this is the way it is. But we do not have a clue as to the love that you have for us. A God that would send his son, his one and only son, to die for me. A sinner, a filthy, dirty sinner. Spit in his face. Was part of the crowd that spit in his face. Was part of the group that nailed a nail in his hand. But he still died for me. He died for each one of us because he loved us. It doesn't matter. Thank you, Jesus, for doing that. Wow, you are an awesome God. So we thank you and praise you. Father, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that does not know Jesus, today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that the change is made forever. Father, I pray that you would help us to have that kind of confidence that we know that we know that we know. And I pray if there's anyone here, I don't care how long you've been in this church, if there's anyone here who does not know without a doubt that the day would be the day of salvation for them. God, we ask you to move in this place and we thank you for that Holy Spirit. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Today is the day of salvation. Amen.